The new 1420 WBSM presents Ray Lance and the USA Wealth Group alongside Phil Paleologos. Get your finances in order. Money Wise starts now. Good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a very special edition of Money Wise with Ray Lance. And Ray, first of all, God bless a happy, healthy new year. Happy New Year, Phil. Happy 2017, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening on New Year's Day. Yes. We're so pleased to have you here. MoneyWise is brought to you each week by USA Wealth Group. You can find us at usawealthgroup.com or call us at 508-998-8858. Today on New Year's Day, ladies and gentlemen, we want to recognize and honor all veterans who have served our country. And I also, Phil, I want to offer a special tribute to my uncle, Harry Kimball. Yes. He died this past September 11, uh, 2016, at the age of 93. God bless his soul. He was a great man. Uh, real quickly, even in the hospital, he still kept his wit and his sense of humor. A group of nurses and doctors came in, and they were talking about him, and he opened his eyes, and he said, I'm not dead yet. <laughs> But unfortunately, he did not survive. He died at the age of 93. Yes. He was a great man, my favorite uncle. He served in the U.S. Army in Belgium in World War II in the Battle of the Bulge, where he received the Bronze Star. In his memory today, we're going to be playing an encore performance of the radio show that we did with him five years ago. Oh, yes. Rest in peace, Uncle Harry. Thank you for joining me, ladies and gentlemen, on a very special edition of More Than Just Talk. As we salute and honor and pay tribute to our veterans of World War II, most especially the surprise attack of three German armies on the Allies known as, well, one, one of its names, the Battle of the Bulge. Joining me for this special broadcast, it is such an honor to have two other veterans with me who are going to introduce somebody extraordinary and somebody whose uh, oral history is to be truly honored. Uh, joining me is Ray and Peter Lance of USA Wealth Group, whom you hear every Friday at 4.30 at this time. They are always here to help you, guide you for your financial needs. They're here to uh, give you the very best advice for your assets. And today, bring this wonderful man here who happens to have a very special story. I'm going to turn it over to Ray Lance. And Peter, welcome. And I want you to really uh, give the introduction to somebody who's extremely special in our studio. Thank you very much, Phil. I'm going to introduce you to someone who has probably the second best voice on radio next to Phil Paleologos. When I don't have laryngitis, and I thank you. <laughs> and that is my uh, dear uncle. His name is Harold Kimball, also known as Uncle Harry. Hello, Uncle Harry. And Harry, Hello. Harry is a veteran of the United States Army, World War II, and he fought in the Battle of the Bulge. And even before we begin, I want to tell you something very important and special about him because he's not going to ever tell you about this himself. He also received the Bronze Star fighting in the Battle of the Bulge. Congratulations. 
Congratulations. My goodness, what a, a sign of heroism and courage. Yes. So Uncle Harry right now lives in the state of Maine. He used to live in Massachusetts. Um, he's had a long career, and he's been retired for a while. And I like to say sometimes to my other relatives that he's my favorite uncle. Of course, he's my only uncle right now. But What a pleasure to have you here. But you are my favorite uncle. Thank you. He's, he's, my, uh, he's the brother of my mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's not with us now. I'd also like to mention very quickly before we get started talking about Uncle Harry that uh, we had also invited another gentleman to join us today, and he might be listening. So I'd like to say a special hello to uh, Mr. Bernard Beer, mm-hmm. uh, lives in uh, Dartmouth, uh, also known as Bud Beer. And he was a veteran also of the United States Army, and he landed at Normandy um, a few days after the initial invasion, and he was assigned to special units and traveled throughout Europe. But um, I'd like to give you a very quick thumbnail background of the Battle of the Bulge and what does that mean, because that's sort of ancient history for a lot of people. But for some people, it's not. Uh, By the way, Uncle Harry is, how old are you now? 89. And that uh, is so beautiful. And still going strong, I would add. (laughs) And uh, saucy as ever, likes a good joke. Um, Some we won't tell on the air. (laughs) And a a stiff drink. (laughs) Let me tell you quickly about the Battle of the Bulge. The Battle of the Bulge was fought in the country of Belgium in France, but primarily in Belgium. It was fought in a mountainous area called the Ardennes, or actually a forest area is more accurate, um, the Ardennes Forest. And what had happened in... 1944, um, in the wintertime, is Hitler had decided that he was not going to focus on the Russians coming in from the east into Germany, which is a major tactical mistake because the Russians did invade into Germany from that direction. But rather, he was going to try an offensive on the western side and push from Germany into Belgium and a very quick strike and go all the way over to the Netherlands and Belgium into the seacoast. And from there, try to take over the ports and hopefully break up the Allies at the same time. And he did it in a very quiet manner. They were assembling troops at night, and there wasn't a lot of intelligence in those days. So the Battle of the Bulge, although uh, the Allies knew that something was going to happen, they it really was a surprise. It was still much of a surprise sure. for them. Mm-hmm. And the timing of this was December 16th, 1944, Mm -hmm. and it ended approximately January 25, 1945. And that's another reason we thought it would be very important to do that today with Uncle Harry, because he's in town to visit us uh, for a family Christmas party. And I thought this is a perfect opportunity this time of year to talk about the Battle of the Bulge. Absolutely. So how old were you when you first entered the uh, service? The service is held at 19 years old. Mm-hmm. And how did you end up on the other side of the pond? Well, we took the Aquitania from New York to England. And then from England, we went down to Wales, where our troop was housed, until we decided they decided to send us across to France. France was in friendly hands at the time. We landed in La Havre. Uh, our troop was stationed throughout the city of La Havre to direct the rest of the division through to take the proper roads through. And that late that afternoon, we drove all the way up to Belgium. I think that was the 17th of December. 
So we entered the war actually on the 17th. It was either 16th or 17th, I'm not sure. And what was your position? What uh, were you responsible for? What was your rank? I was a sergeant, mm-hmm. and I was responsible for a section of the second platoon. You saw some interesting things there. And, and by the way, the reason they called it the Battle of the Bulge is because the Germans managed to push in almost like a big semicircular. And if you looked at it on a map, it looked like they were bulging in. And what the Allies, consisting primarily of uh, England and the Americans, were able to do was to push this bulge back. And that's why it's sometimes called the Battle of the Bulge. But it was a very costly battle. It's actually the third most costly, bloodiest battle in the history of our country. Antietam in the Civil War was number one. But the Battle of the Bulge was a very hard-fought war. And one of the questions I wanted to ask you, Uncle Harry, is what was the weather like? What were the weather conditions like? This was the coldest winter in Europe in 60 years. Deep snow and terribly cold weather. How much uh, of the uh, battle uh, did you see? Were you a part of? Did your men, uh, were, were any of them lost? Yes. What do you remember of uh, of those days? Uh, one one of our, our, our uh, patrols was sent into German territory to gather information to report back. That is the purpose of the reconnaissance troop. Uh, our first platoon went on a daylight patrol early in the morning, and they were trapped between our lines and the Germans, and we lost about 15 of them on that day. They're all killed. One of them, uh, Mr. Private Cowell, was, was wounded and could not escape. He laid there on the snow all that night. The following night, a group of us, about 10 of us, went down to pull him back up the mountain to safety. And I think that's the reason I got the Bronze Star. A few other fellows in that same patrol received the star also. Wow. And and I appreciate you sharing that with me because Uncle Harry is very modest and he never really shared with me the reasons, you know, why he received the Bronze Star. You know, it's it's interesting. Um, You had to go back um, after one of those ambushes as well and retrieve frozen bodies, didn't you, in the town of Vilsum? The following morning, yes, he went down with trucks to pick up the frozen bodies to uh, take them back. Yeah. Was it a, a surprise of a massacre style? Was it a describe what kind of a surprise it was and how our troops and allies confronted uh, this uh, the, these three German armies? Well, uh, I'm not sure of that. Uh, we were more for, we were an, att- an attack force in the reconnaissance troop. We were more for scouting and patrolling going into or behind enemy lines or unknown territory. So I'm not familiar with uh, what the infantry did, but they were attacking. Fortunately, I'm glad I was not in the infantry because those poor fellows had to stay out overnight in foxholes and sub-zero temperatures. Uh, We were able to, to find a building somewhere Empty or unheated, didn't matter. Mm-hmm. A barn, mm-hmm. uh, which I had experienced. But as far as the attacking, 
our tanks could not stand up to the German Mark III or Mark IV tanks. The super tiger the, tanks. Were those are called the tiger tanks, I think? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were a very wide and uh, low built, uh, and they had an 88-millimeter cannon on them, which we all feared. Our tanks had a 75-millimeter cannon, but the uh, armor that they had on those German tanks the 75 millimeter uh, cannon could not penetrate. Mm-hmm. We're, we're chatting with Harold Kimball, 89 years old, who is a, a hero of World War II, the Battle of the Bulge, and uncle of uh, Ray and Peter Lands. And before we go to a break, uh, being part of reconnaissance, how much help did you? Received from everyday civilians, were they uh, were they friendly? Were they with you? Were they trustworthy? Oh, the uh, civilians in Belgium were trustworthy. They were they were very, they were very helpful, uh, and they I think to this day they still appreciate us as we save them. Uh, a lot of them left their homes and went into France get to get away from the fighting the Germans. And some some were allowed us to go in, and even though they were living there, allowed us to spend the night in their homes. But mostly we stayed in unheated homes. We are going to take a quick break and uh, return in a moment with Harold Kimball, our very special guest, as we honor all of our veterans and most especially those of the Battle of the Bulge, World War II. Welcome back. I wish you could see Harold Kimball singing along. This is is a song that brings you uh, special memories, I'm sure. Uh, Mr. Kimball, ladies and gentlemen, 89 years old, is joining us today thanks to uh, both Peter and Ray Lance, their nephews, great nephew, and is sharing with us his memories of the Battle of the Bulge. Uh, Just an aside, Phil, I know that we have a call to take as well, but um, I just wanted to wish you a very happy early birthday. I know it's tomorrow, and I believe it's your daughter's as well, correct? It is. Well, happy birthday to both of you. Happy birthday, happy birthday. 40-year-old man. That's good. (laughs) I wish. (laughs) As as you've now grown and matured and are looking back at World War II, what memories stand out the most in in your mind? The cold, very, very cold weather. Mm Mm-hmm. The cold winters, and yeah. did you have enough uh, to wear? Were your were your uh, hands protected enough? Feet? Give us a description of what it was like. Yes, our in our outfit. Yes, our, our feet were protected. We had combat boots and overshoes over them, but the infantry who had sleep overnight outside had a lot of frostbite and frozen feet. And I, I think some amputated too because mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. We had overcoats, and uh, but we did not have thermal boots, which would have been useful. Whether or not they had them mm-hmm. in that period of time, I don't know. 
interesting. Uh, we have a phone call. We'll uh, we'll also take if you'd like to uh, ask or just uh, give Mr. Kimball your best wishes. By all means, five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. Caller, go right ahead. Good, uh, good afternoon, gentlemen. Hello. Uh, I had an uncle that was in the Battle of the Bulge, and he was in the infantry. Um, and the only notice of the German attack. On, the, on his particular section were when the Tiger tanks came rolling out of the woods. Wow. And the German Panzer Grenadiers who were riding on them were shouting, Merry Christmas, Yankees. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. What an image. And uh, it, there was nothing they could do. They couldn't hold the attack, so... They had to retreat, but of course they fought as they retreated. You know, dug in, and, but the Germans pushed them back quite a ways. People uh, nowadays, most people probably under forty or so, have no conception again of what these guys went through. That's right, and it's a shame. I, as a matter of fact, I watched the PBS special that was on for an hour and a half about the Battle of the Bulge, not the battle itself, but what happened to individual people and how, as you said, the numbing cold that was always there, uh, even if you stopped and built a campfire or something, you couldn't get warm because of the cold. So, you know, God bless you and all of those people who were there because... We're here now discussing this because you and many others fought there so we could do this. Well, we appreciate your thoughts. Can I tell you something else about this particular division? My Uncle Harry was in the 75th Division, and they were at first known as the Diaper Division because the average age was 19. Yeah. And we tend to think of veterans in World War II as being old men. They weren't. They were kids. Oh, no, they were kids, some of them as young as 18, and a few of them lied to go in service. Right. So there were, there were kids 17 that were probably there. Mr. Kimball, did you sign up, or were you drafted? I was drafted. Mm-hmm. And where were you at the time? Where were you living? I was living in Auburn, Mass. Yes, yeah, out by Worcester. Yes. Very good. Uh, Jay, is there anything else you'd like to uh, say? No, just... Uh, God bless you, and thank you for your service. You're welcome. Very nice. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I would like to mention something about retreating. Yes. Though. Yes. Uh, We were told we never retreat in the American Army. We just moved back to a better position. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Mm-hmm. Well, wasn't it uh, the, the Germans' motive to divide and conquer, to, to split apart and conquer? The that, German the German army had their um, you know their military really spread thin, and all of the top generals told Hitler it was a bad idea to do this. Uh, but you know his ego, of course, he said no, we're doing this, um, and they you know further were hindered by uh, supply lines that were destroyed by the U.S. Air Force um, and the British Air Force as well. One other thing I want to mention, too, that uh, people have heard a lot of famous names coming out of World War II, and what you may not know about the Battle of the Bulge is that 
Uh, General Eisenhower was overall in command. General Omar Bradley uh, was in charge of the main army group that fought against the Battle of the Bulge, fought back against the Bulge. General George Patton uh, was in the Bastogne area. And then talking about retreating, uh, a very interesting story. It was a general... Anthony Nuts McAuliffe. He got the name Nuts afterwards because on uh, December 21st of 1944, the Germans had completely surrounded Bastogne, and General McAuliffe was there at the time, and the Germans requested that he surrender. They sent a message that he should surrender his command, and his response to him was the famous word, Nuts. That's it. And uh, he wrote that on a paper, and they basically his officer told him, one of his lieutenant colonels said that the Germans wouldn't be able to understand what that meant. And he says, I don't care, put down the word nuts. And that reply had to be explained to the Germans to tell them what, what it actually meant. So when you hear that famous expression, that came out of the Battle of the Bulge also. As, uh, as we reminisce with uh, our very special guest, Harold Kimball, if you're just joining us, ladies and gentlemen, 89 years old, a decorated hero of World War II, was in the Battle of the Bulge. What surprised you the most uh, during that time? Did uh, any one memory, story, anecdote pop out and still is uh, in your mind. Did anything surprise you about what you were doing then? I think the thing is how powerful the German military was and how fortunate we were to defeat them. I think had they not have the East, was it Eastern Front with the Russians, it might have been a longer war. That took a lot of their troops. Mm-hmm. Um other than that, I don't know. I don't know what to say. How many were uh, were with you on reconnaissance? We had about 140 members in our division, in our troop. Did most of them come home? No, we lost probably close to 20. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uncle Harry, never had a chance to ask you this question before, but uh, were you wounded at all? No, I was not wounded. You're very fortunate then. Yes. Did you see uh, your uh, your friends, your comrades uh, wounded in front of you, or did any die in front of you? Uh, no. Uh, there was just one who was backing a jeep. This was down in another part of the bulge, about near the end of the bulge, and he was backing a jeep off the road and hit a landmine that killed him instantly. Mm-hmm. One of the things I want to mention, Phil, is that in the year 2005, um, my wife, Tenny, and I had the opportunity to go to Belgium to go to a wedding. Um, we had a foreign exchange student who had lived with us in Dartmouth for a year, and he was getting married, so we went over. And we happened to be up in Maine to visit Uncle Harry and suggested that, why don't you come with us? And he did. That must have been awesome. And so... I have to say it's it's probably the most wonderful trip that I've ever taken because we saw things through Uncle Harry's eyes that we would not have ever seen if he hadn't been with us. And what was it like going back, seeing a, a rebuilt Belgium? Oh, it was wonderful. And we went over, and I think it was September. Yes. Much different than you know, the green grass and yeah. all, and much different than the 
the cold winter that we had experienced. Mm-hmm. We went to a, the town of Vilsan, Belgium, with Ray and Tenny, and uh, I showed them where the first platoon went down into Salm Chateau. And what went through your mind when you were showing them this? Did you were you reliving those days? Oh yes, yeah, very sadness, much sadness. Yeah, because uh, they were friend. They were all buddies, even though they were in a different platoon. Um, but they were they were trapped and tried to get back up the mountain again. And most fifteen, I guess, didn't make it. Mm-hmm. And when you were on this. Uh, a tour, this trip. Uh, what else went through your mind as you were looking at things that brought you back to the mid 1940s? What else were you thinking? Well, I think mainly the, the different, how different the terrain was, with the, the snow, the frozen rivers, and deep snow. And here we had nice green grass. Mm-hmm. And we had a chance to visit um, a small World War II museum. Uh, near the town of Vilsum also. And incidentally, he and his uh, troop helped to liberate the town of Vilsum. And they really are treated very nicely by the Belgians. Uh, mm. They really regard the World War II vets as heroes. And as if, he, if we had been there during the week, uh, he would have received the key to the city from the mayor. But we were there on a Sunday. How beautiful. And uh, do you remember, Uncle Harry, we went to that small restaurant... Uh, actually, it was called the Aquarium Restaurant. Yes, in Vilsan. And we were there on a Sunday, and we went in, and my wife went over and spoke to somebody in the corner. She spoke a little French and recognized him as being the proprietor. And then in turn, a translator came over, and we had the most wonderful, most emotional experience you can imagine in that restaurant. Really? Remember, there was a middle-aged woman who spoke fluent English and French, and she was translating. Yeah. And she had tears streaming down her face as she was translating. And then there was a little old lady uh, who got very excited and uh, when she found out that Uncle Harry had served and helped to liberate the town of Vilselm. And she spoke very excitedly in French, and she said she was going to return. She was going to return. She went home and came back with some souvenirs. Do you remember oh, what she presented wow. you? I forget the items. But they, they were souvenirs. Yes. Uh, I think one... Said they they re- took it out of a fallen American plane. It was a small cross that had crossed. Yes, a small uh, loose plastic or cross. loose cross. And that one woman cried when I told her that we lost about fifteen men of our troop mm-hmm. in that town going down to Saint-Chateau, and she cried. I said I was. She called me a hero. I said I was not a hero. I I was there. She said, you are a hero. Of course you are. Yeah. Everyone who was there yeah. were heroes. Nine nine six zero five hundred. as you're sharing uh, just a tremendously beautiful story honoring the Battle of the Bulge with Harold Kimball, who is our very special guest. Connor, go right ahead. Hi. How you doing, Harry? With, Harold, with, Harold. Harold. Harry's with, fine. Were the European women more beautiful than American women? No. no <laughs> I had the most beautiful woman in the world. Uh, okay. An American. Um, <laughs> in the, in the GI-issued uh, food kits, the mess kits, um, uh, what was in them? I heard over the years candy bars and... Uh, what was the the issue for the... Uh, they, I heard candy bars and cigarettes... Well, there were two types. There was a C ration and the mm-hmm. K ration. 
and they were, we called them dog biscuits. Mm-hmm. So, so in the candy bar, which we saved for the children mm-hmm. in Belgium, and uh, a few cigarettes. Well, I know what toast and uh, what's that spread you put on it. I know what they call that. That, that was on the ships. They we, used to eat that all the time. We probably can't say that on the air. <laughs> no, we can't. No. But we know what it is. Well, it's a good seller at the diner. Yeah, was, oh, good. <laughs> there was also cheese in one of the kits. What, Harry, Harold, what, what, Harold, what kept you going? Were you married at the time? Oh, when no. You went o- no, I was single. Oh, you were? Oh, yes. I what? was 21 years old in Europe. Now, did you do you still have friends that are still are alive? Uh, that you have a reunion? I don't go to the union, reunions now, but I do have one gentleman from Cleveland area, John Prudrusnik, mm-hmm. and uh, he calls me occasionally, and right. we, we talk about old times. And I've been to a couple of reunions. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a big one on the 60th anniversary, but you weren't able to go to that particular reunion. Well, I think you are a you're a hero, John uh, Harold. You are you are a hero in our eyes because we're not speaking German today. Good point. Uh, yeah. So you your your feet on the ground over there helped us liberate many folks and 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 to you and many comrades fallen and are still alive. God bless you and uh, God bless the United States of America. Thank you. Thank you so very much. We are with uh, Harold Kimball, 89 years old, who is uh, sharing with us some of his anecdotes from World War II. Thanks to Ray and Peter Lance, uh, your nephew, Ray Lance. Right. And uh, it must feel so wonderful to have an uncle like this who served in... Very special. Yes, and, and the memory is especially strong this time of year. Oh, Everybody's getting ready for you know Christmas holidays and celebrations. And if you think back at the Battle of the Bulge, they were in record cold and record snows in the Ardennes fighting. You know, oh, sure, surely. What was uh, popular uh, on the radio back then? Do you remember any of the songs? Was Bing Crosby's White Christmas? Oh, yes. The big bands, Glenn Miller especially. Sure, sure. And I have some great stories I want to still tell. Okay. A couple more minutes. Well, why don't we take a quick break here and we'll come back with some more great stories with Harold Kimball, 89-year-old World War II, courageous and brave hero and wonderfully decorated. The year was 1944. It was a very cold December. At the Battle of the Bulge, we are honored to be with Harold Kimball, 89 years old. When you hear songs like this, does it take you back to those years? Oh, it sure does. That's wonderful, Mr. Kimball. Yeah. He's a great singer, too. Is he? Yes. Oh. Not now, when I was younger, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> uh, real quick, um, for anybody who's listening who wants to, you know, it's it's... 
Hollywood versus reality, but if anybody has uh, any interest in seeing sort of what uh, my uncle went through and, and all those heroes back in World War II, uh, there's a, a TV series that came out on HBO probably a decade ago called Band of Brothers, and a large portion of this miniseries, it was produced by Steven Spielberg, uh, shows a lot of the Battle of the Bulge as well, including the Seizure Bastogne and uh, Operation Market Garden. So I, I would recommend you see that if you have not yet. It's, it's a remarkable uh, film based on uh, the, the harsh realities. A couple of quick facts, uh, Phil, if I could, on the Battle of the Bulge. Um, there were estimated to be between 500,000 and 840,000 American and English infantry uh, during that battle. And German was estimated to be between 300,000 to 500,000 infantry. And, of course, the German tanks were much more powerful than the American tanks, the Tiger tanks that Uncle Harry has mentioned. But I mentioned earlier that this was a very costly battle in American history. There were 19,000 Americans killed in this battle, 47,500 wounded, and 23,000 captured or missing. The uh, Germans, by contrast, had 67,000 to 100,000 killed. So it was a very serious battle. I'd like to tell a couple of quick stories about the visit that I did in 2005 with my wife and with Uncle Harry. One of the other things that we did, and again, we wouldn't have seen this had he not been on this trip with us, is we went to a cemetery in Belgium. It was called the Cemetery at Bon Hoor. And if you ever want to be proud as an American, visit any military cemetery, not only in this country but abroad. They're taken care of with meticulous attention and detail, and you feel proud to be an American walking through them. But we visited the cemetery, and they have a graves registry office, and we asked them to look up the name for one of my uncle's friends. Uh, was it Paul Schwartz? Was that his name? Yes, Schwartz. And um, he was uh, killed in Vilsom. Do you, do you remember when we went to look at his grave? Oh, yes. Yeah. And you can't really read the names very well on the crosses because they're all carved in alabaster marble, and so there's no relief. And what they do is the lady was carrying a bucket of sand with her, and the sand actually came from the beaches of Normandy. My goodness. I mean, yep. just beautiful touches. And they yep. brush the sand into the cross so the letters then stand out in relief. Oh, my goodness. Bob. And you can see the letters. Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember. You told me a story about your friend uh, Paul Schwarz. Um, did you actually see him when he passed away? Oh, no. He was on the patrol with the first platoon. I was in the second platoon, and he was killed there. He had a five-year-old son at the time. That was quite sad. Yep. And it was um, sad that day for Uncle Harry to be there as well to see his cross. It was, you know... I shed a tear. Difficult emotional experience. And I put my arm around him and told him it was okay. He started to apologize for having tears in his eyes, and I told him he didn't need to do that ever. Not a, not a bit. Nope. 996-0500. Caller, go right ahead. Uh, good afternoon. Hello there. Uh, your guest, uh, you know, that was in World War II. Uh, when he listens to what's happening in, in our military today, you know, our people that are fighting a war, and we have a government that says, oh, collateral damage, you can't have any, and you have to be careful, you know, that you don't shoot at the wrong time, even though you're being shot at, because there could be somebody there. Um you know, I, I think we would have probably lost World War II if we would have to worry about collateral damage. It was them or us, 
we recognized that fact when we bombed the cities in Germany uh, where they were building the factories to, to build the weapons. We knew we could stop the civilians from building weapons that would shorten the war. Um, I, I, I question how many of our people die in military because of the tremendous amount of uh, politically correct fighting that must be done today by our military. I think it's very difficult for them. What does your guess think of that? Mm-hmm. Well, we had to be careful in Belgium that we didn't hurt the Belgian people. Right. It was a different story when we were in parts of Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, is today's army a lot different from the army when you served? The type of fighting is different mm-hmm. in countries like uh, where they are now, in Iraq. And uh, Afghanistan? Yes, Afghanistan. They had to, the, the soldiers nowadays have to be very careful. Mm-hmm. Um, more so than in World War II. Right. Thank you for the call, by the way. Uh, take us back uh, and tell us when you first went went ashore, were you scared? Were you afraid? I really wasn't. I'm not bragging about it. We had trained so long, we, we expected sort of this sort of thing. Yeah. We didn't care for the shelling, the mortar fire coming in. Right. Or, mm-hmm. or artillery. <laughs> but you weren't uh, frightened to be in that situation? Not, No, not really. One of the other interesting things we did on our trip in 2005, Uncle Harry, is we went down to Normandy and we visited the main military cemeteries at Normandy and we walked on the beach at Normandy. And although he didn't land there, he came in about three months after the D-Day invasion and he came into Le Havre, France, which is a big port. Mm-hmm. But we thought it would be interesting to visit there as well. And I, I personally found that to be a very moving experience. Mm-hmm. And they, they pipe in patriotic American songs. But do you remember what happened at the end of the day when they lowered the flags? Yes, they asked me to, uh, I think Kenny talked to the man in charge and asked me to help fold the flag. That was quite an honor. Surely, yes. But how many of the 10,000 crosses... Yes. Is that the number? And that it was more than that, yep. And we walked along the pathways, and they were playing a song. Uh, I forget the name of it now. And we all had tears in our eyes. Absolutely. Have you been down to our military museum that uh, honors not only Battle of the Bulge, but all wars? Have you been down yet? No, where is that? It's a beautiful military museum at Fort Tabor. No, I have not. Uh, It would be just a terrific experience, and I know they would love you to sign their book. And uh, uh, if there's anything that you see there, it'll be memories of what you went through. All the items are donated by local veterans of all the wars. That's that's a great idea. And And they have a tiger tank there, by the way. Mm. We were mentioning the tiger tanks right out in front. I wouldn't mind seeing it now. The tiger tank. Yes. Yeah, now. <laughs> now. Yeah, after 60-something years later. If they're open yeah. Saturday mornings, we'll go do that oh, tomorrow morning. Yeah, well, let's, let's go do that tomorrow morning. That would be a Sounds lot of fun. Sounds like a good idea. Yes, indeed. I want to elaborate just a little bit further. When we uh, had the flag-lowering ceremony, they lower the flags every day, mm-hmm. and there's a very long reflecting pool which ends at a monument, and on the opposite end, there are two large flagpoles with American flags, and... 
Uh, Uncle Harry was one of the four people who was allowed to receive the flag and then folded up military style. And then mm. he ended up being the person who was holding the triangular-shaped flag at the end. And that was significant for him, too, and he had never done that before. Deserving and an honor. Oh, quite an honor. Let me, uh, caller, let me uh, give you uh, 30 seconds or so to share your thoughts. All right. No, I uh, heard you mention the military museum, Phil. Yes. It, uh, it's, it's not a Tiger tank. It's a Sherman tank. Oh, it's a Sherman. All yeah, right. On the side of the tank, it says Exercise Tiger. Okay. Uh, from the operation that that tank was involved in. Good help. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Well, and I'd like just just to say very quickly that my American hero is my Uncle Harry. And I'm very proud of what he did and so many hundreds of thousands of others. And when we went to Belgium, and I knew just ahead of time, I only found out a few weeks before he went that he had received the Bronze Star. I bought a small Bronze Star insignia from Medals of America, and he wore that while he was over there with pride. How, how wonderful. But anyway, I thank you, Uncle Harry, for your service. You're entirely welcome. Thank you so very much. As uh, as we um, finalize our, our uh, program here, what uh, did all of your experience in World War II teach you about life in general? How precious life is, and to be an American... Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it is uh, awesome and rare to have uh, heroes, veterans like Harold Kimball, 89 years old. And what a terrific personal honor it has been to share the airwaves with our listeners and your story, Mr. Kimball. Thank you. Thank you, Uncle Harry. Thank you, Peter, Ray. Fabulous. Just tremendous. Thanks, everybody. And we'll be back following the news. Thank you.